say good evening, and I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus. That uh, teach me, O Lord, to number my days. Says, uh, if I can get the words right, as short as my stand and brief as my stay. What hour of life are you at? Am I at the 11th hour? Are you? We don't know, right? We have no idea. And so that's why the song says, teach me, O Lord, to number my days, because at any given moment, um, he may call my number or yours, and then we will stand face to face with Jesus Christ. I think of a quote, I often think of it, uh, that A.W. Tozer made. He said that Christianity is everything for mankind or nothing at all. Christianity is either everything for mankind or it's nothing at all. So, So being a Christian is not a religion. It's not a tradition. It's not a cult. But, but it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and Him alone. And, and as we think of that, uh, Jesus allowed us tonight to have His will and His heartbeat in, in each one of our homes. We probably have at least two of them in every home present here. And it's His desire that we would have a relationship with Him. Now we can just think for a moment that that the Creator of this universe, God Himself, I mean, the the holiest of holies, okay? And, And we as sinful man, and God allows you and me to come and have a relationship with Him. Not only allows, but He He begs, He He pleads with us to have that relationship with Him. So as we think of being a Christian, it's not just another religion, okay? It's not just something we do on Sunday mornings. It's not just something we do on Wednesday nights. But becoming a Christian affects every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our lives. From how we treat our spouse at home or how we talk to our children to the business deals that we make or the businesses that we have. So, so every aspect is what we, it affects that. When Jesus comes into my heart, into your heart, it changes who we are. And so he tells us in his word that if we want to spend all of eternity with him, then we must obey him. We must do as he says. And tonight we're going to look at one of those, um, one of those, uh, I don't know if I want to say it's a command. Uh, I like to say it's an opportunity that we as Christians have that um, probably most of the world has no idea what it is. And so tonight we're going to turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. (laughs) 
And we're going to look at two verses there this evening. As Paul is here and he's, he's writing this, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Uh, we'll, we'll read down through and then we'll come back. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So just a couple of short verses there. But as we think of this, as Paul's writing to the Romans, uh, we're just going to break these verses down. Um, he's, and to, to sum that up, he's begging them to present their bodies a living sacrifice that they may prove what is the will of God. That, that's the short summary of it. So Paul, he uses the word beseech, and, and that's not an English word that is used today, but he is pleading with. He is begging with urgency. This is not just, hey, you know, if it works for you, if you know you could, I mean, it'd be nice if you would. Um, but no, Paul's saying that, that I beseech you. And he's talking to brethren. He's not talking to the lost or the, the, the Gentiles, but he's talking to the believers tonight. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you. It's not a command. He's not saying you have to do it. And we'll find that out later on. So Paul's saying to, he's begging them to do what? He's begging them by the mercy of God to present. Well, that, that, that word there, you will find that same word if you go in the Greek, is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. And it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So the word yield and the word present is the same thing. And that is to exhibit or to put on display. So you walk into a store and they have a display case for you to see everything that they have to offer. And so Paul's saying, I beg of you, I am, I am, uh, uh, pleading with you to present, to, to put your bodies in an exhibit, to put them on display. To present your bodies. So as we think of to, to, exe- uh, to present our bodies, this is not physical abuse. Okay? There are some people who think that as we present our bodies, well, if we can put ourselves through torture, then we're doing what God is wanting us to do. But when he uses this word to present our bodies, this is our, um, our, our, our desires, our emotions, our passions, our knowledge, our all in all. Everything. God wants everything of us. You see, Christianity is either everything for mankind or it's nothing at all. It doesn't just change the clothes that I wear. It doesn't just change where I go on Sunday morning. But it affects my entire life. Everything. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So everything that was gained to him, he counted it as loss. 
for Christ. Not just because he wanted to get something else, but for Christ. He says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things, not some things, but all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So he's counting all things but lost for the, for, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. So as we think of Paul, he's saying to present your all in all, everything that we have to to present it as a living sacrifice. Well, as we think of a living sacrifice, that is a paradox. Because there is, there, there, up until this point, there was no living sacrifice. Because everything that was led to the altar prior to this was led there to lose their life physically. They, they, the, the blood was going to be shed and then it was going to be put on the altar and consumed. As we think of this, He's asking you and I to present something. This is not something that God is going to do for us. Okay, I I can't go home and sit on the couch and beg God to make me a living sacrifice. As we think of being a a living sacrifice, um, we must be born again. We, 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 there, there, there has to be a new birth. There has to be life within. God requires life in order to make the sacrifice. He, he's, at this point, he's done with those dead sacrifices. He's had enough of those. They, they no longer was pleasing to him. So he said that I don't want any more of that. I want a different sacrifice. And that's a sacrifice that is alive from the dead. Someone that has found life and now they willfully will present their bodies to me. They're not going to be as a sheep or an oxen that is led by a rope to their slaughter. Because he says that you present your bodies. So that's up for me to do and it's for you to do. We are, we are born in, in, uh, in a lost state. We are born... Um, this is a, uh, a paradox, but we are born dead. Um, we're, we're born lost in our sin. So, so every one of us here, doesn't matter the age or, or, or what state we're in, we was born dead. And there has to be a transformation out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. That, that has to happen in, in our lives in order for there to be life inside of me and you. Without that, we're, we're dead sacrifices. So therefore, it's of no value to God to being a dead sacrifice. Hmm. 
So he, he, he begs us, he's pleading with us by the mercies of God that we would present, we would uh, yield our bodies, we would put them on display, we'd put them in, a, in an exhibit, and that would be our, our will, our emotions, our um, passions, our desires, our, our businesses, our, our, um, uh, everything about us is, is part of me. We put it up there. And, and then, then it's, if, if we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that's what is pleasing to God. So as we think of presenting our bodies as a sacrifice, what is a sacrifice? What do we think of as a sacrifice? Well, it's doing without that candy bar that I like. It's a sacrifice. We would give something up. It's a small portion of a sacrifice. But a sacrifice was always identified with something losing its life. There, there, there was always the shedding of blood in a sacrifice. Obviously, as we think of a sacrifice, Jesus is our greatest example of being that sacrifice. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. But he didn't open his mouth. Now, now did, could have Jesus said something? He had, he had all the right, if you will, to say everything because he was falsely accused and he was condemned falsely. He could have, he could have set the record straight at that moment, but he didn't because he was to be put there for you and I. If it wouldn't be for that, today we'd still be bringing oxen and turtle doves and putting them on the altar to try to make a payment for my um, sinful state. <clears throat> Jesus went willingly. We must also put ourselves on the altar. No one will bind me hand and foot and place me on the altar. I must climb up myself. Okay? Jesus is not going to place me on the altar. But it's we, we present our bodies, we yield our members to him. And so it's something that we have to do. I must walk up Mount Moriah. No, as I am walking up Mount Moriah, I have, I, I, it doesn't make sense. My, I don't understand my father as he takes me by the hand and he walks me up the mountain. And by now you have a picture formed in your mind as a father and son took this journey uh, many years ago. And this father, he's walking along and he's taking his son and, and I, I, I don't know what picture comes to your mind, but I picture a, a silent walk. Because you know what? Sometimes when God is asking me to give my all, it gets pretty quiet on my side because there's a cost that's going to come with it. I'm going to have to give up something. And so here's little Isaac and, and, and his dad, they're walking up this mountain. And Isaac, he says, Daddy, yes, son, here I am. Well, we have fire, we have the wood. There's something missing. The son, he, he couldn't figure that out. What about the sacrifice, Dad? 
Abram, he could have said, well, I don't know, son. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. But now remember, Abram knew why he was climbing Mount Moriah. Abram knew why he was ascending this mountain. It was, it was fully intentional. And perhaps he told his son, it's not recorded that he did. But he said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And Isaac, I don't know if that point Isaac understood or not. But he didn't, it's not recorded that he said, well, what do you mean, dad? I don't, I don't get this. But I think when, when, when his daddy answered his question, he says, God will provide that. Isaac just silently goes forward with, it, with his dad. It's going to be okay. God's going to provide it. I don't know how it's going to work out. And so it is for you and I. Sometimes God brings us to those places that he says that I want you to just open your hands and let go. But, but daddy, but daddy, just, no, just let it go. It's okay. We're going to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We're not doing it without a cause. We're doing it for the sake of Jesus Christ. We're doing it because of the ultimate sacrifice that was provided for you and I, that we could have life today and in the heavens to come someday. We can be with Jesus forever. So why, what would hold us back? What would be so dear to you and I that, that I, I can't, I can't let go. Abraham, he didn't stagger at the promise. And if you talk about something that was, something that was totally against your will, God makes you a promise that 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 you're going to have a big business and 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 life's going to be good for you and you're going to have a lot of money. And two weeks later, he says. I'd like for you to put a for sale sign out into your drive. What? Like, I don't get it. Oh, yeah, and I want you to go to South America. Huh. But God, your promise. No, Abram, he gets up early in the morning and he goes because he believed God. He didn't stagger. He didn't hesitate. He just got up and went. He was willing to just let go. Because God's going to provide a sacrifice. It doesn't matter. God will do that. All you have to do is yield your bodies a living sacrifice and God will take care of the rest. So as we walk up that Mount Moriah and when we get to the altar, we get to the top of the mountain and there we build an altar and now we're standing there. And, and, and there's some hesitation. And it would surely be nice if God would just pick me up and place me on that altar. That way I don't have to do it. But God's waiting. He's waiting patiently. Will you, will I, climb that altar? Will we ascend the steps and lay there? Isaac was standing there by the altar. And I believe that uh, at least the picture that I get in my mind, whether it's accurate or not, the Bible doesn't give that. But I think Abram went over to his son and he started to bind him with a rope. Just wrap this rope around. Do you, do you think at that moment that Isaac had any questions what was going to happen? Do you think that he had any, any, any doubt of who's going to be placed in his altar? 
I don't. Isaac fully well, he knew fully well that he was the sacrifice. But today it's not Isaac. And it's not Abraham. But it's Jesus. And we're the son. We're standing at the altar. And no, he's not going to wrap a rope around you and me. And pick us up and place us up there. But he's waiting. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We must let go of everything. All of my passions, all of my dreams, all of my possessions, all of my family, and Jesus says, even my own life also. Everything. Christianity is either everything for mankind or nothing at all. And today we're standing at the altar and we're, 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 we're hesitating. It, 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 is it going to be worth it? Well, what's going to happen if I climb that altar? What's going to happen if I lay down there? Well, what's going to happen when I'm there and God lights the fire? Well, what's going to happen? And this is the hardest thing for mankind to do. The hardest thing for mankind to do because we are very attached to this world. We're very attached to this world. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And here we are, children that are in the kingdom of heaven. We've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed you and I. And we stand at the altar. And, and, and we, we hesitate. Uh, but, but God, don't you understand? I've got a wife and I've got children. Don't you understand? I have many possessions. Uh, I can't do this. And so finally, we climb that altar. And God lights the fire. God determines how much of you and I's flesh will be consumed. All he wants is some yielded members, yielded bodies, yielded people for his sake. And he wants every one of us to do that. And by the way, this is not once and done. This is not one time you're going to climb Mount Moriah and, and we're going to give it all up and, and oh, we're done now. Wow. We, we, we finally did it. And, and it really wasn't that bad. I mean, I only had to give up one area. Well, down the road we go on the journeys of life. And, and our Father cares so much about us that He doesn't want any flesh left in us. He doesn't want any of our will left in us. He doesn't want me to claim anything in this life. So again... And again and again, he will take us to Mount Moriah. And again, we will stand at the edge of the altar. Will we hesitate every time? Or will we understand that my daddy loves me so much that he's doing this for my good and for yours? Some pictures of a living sacrifice. 
Romans 15, um, verses 2 and 3. It says, let, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as, it is, uh, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. That's a sacrifice. That's, that, is, that is someone that has surrendered everything. There's no thought about my life, but I'm more concerned about you and my neighbors. Is that my life today? Romans uh, 8.36 says, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That's a sacrifice. For, for the sake of Jesus Christ, we're willing to lose our life day after day after day after day. We're willing to just give it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A couple of verses there. And we'll uh, start in verse 15 says, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? That's a question. God forbid. Why would we take that which is not ours and act as though it is? You, you, you see, brothers and sisters, we live in rented houses. And I, I have not ever uh, rented a house from someone. Um, perhaps some of you have rental houses that you, but, but just imagine if you did and, and your renter one day tomorrow you go past the, your rental house and out at the end of the drive there's a for sale sign. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> We're going to hit the brakes. We're going to go back and see what's going on here. <laughs> he can't do this. Because it's my house. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? They're not mine. I cannot do with these members as I will. But we only do with these as Christ will. That's a sacrifice. That's laying on the altar. Completely surrendered. Jump on down to verse 19. He asks what? A question again. Know ye, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, because that you've been bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's a sacrifice. When you're on the altar, completely surrendered, God's getting all the glory. I'm not going to get any of it because I'm laying there. 
and the fires consuming. Consuming. So there's no glory to me. I am losing it. But, but, but as John said, I must decrease so that he could increase. Christ is increasing as we are decreasing. So laying on the altar is not all loss, but it's all gain. Physically, in, in, in our physical mind, it seems that it's just such a great loss and there is no gain. What could be gained out of, out of a loss? But the more that I lose, the more that I gain. If I'm seeking to save my life, I'm going to lose it. But if I'm willing to lose my life, I'll find it. Jesus came to do His Father's will. He did not have one thought of His own will. Not one time did Jesus think about Himself. Not one time. There was not one ounce of selfishness in Him. He, he had no passions of His own. He had no desires of His own. But I come to do the Father's will. What have you and I been purchased for? To do the Father's will. We're here to do the Father's will. And when I think of myself, glory's coming to me, my desires and passions are being fulfilled, and God's not getting any glory. Not one ounce of selfishness. Not one. As we think of uh, Romans chapter 12 there, he said, uh, well, we think of that, verse 1 and verse 2, when this picture, when, when what I have told you uh, is is my life and yours that that uh, that our bodies are on the altar and, our, and, our, and the fires lit and flesh is being consumed, <clears throat> then it's going to be holy and it'll be acceptable to God. Because we're not seeking our own, we're completely surrendered to Christ, as Isaac was to his father, as Jesus was to his father, as Noah was to God, as Joseph was to his family. Now, is this a picture of my life and yours? Will I be the Isaac today? Will I be the Joseph? Dead unto myself, but alive unto Christ. If it is, praise God. If this is a picture of our life, may the Lord grant you grace and peace and mercy to continue on being exactly that. But don't become high-minded because he says at the end, it's just your reasonable service. It's expected of you and I to do this. When we don't do it, then it's wrong for us. But when we do do it, it's just what we should do. That is the Christian life. We're not here to do our own thing, but we're here to do God's thing. It's not like when we get upon that altar and we're laying there, we can say, ha ha, well, I... I uh, God, God's, it's good that God has me, right? Because I'm just so surrendered. No. But it's what I'm expected to do. So question. Am I, are you, being a living sacrifice? 
I thought I had that I wrote down. This takes place at home first. This takes place at home first. Am I a living sacrifice to my spouse? To my children? To my parents? I've lost my will, my desire, my passions, my dreams. If it's not happening at home, don't, don't be fooled. It won't happen here either. It won't happen here either. Oh, it may look like it. It, it may look really good. We come here and, and we get together in our, in our congregations and, 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 and we just love to serve each other. I mean, we hold doors open and, and we, we, we're just extra kind. and It looks good. But if I can't do it to my family, what does God think about when I just do it here? Is that really a sacrifice? Or am I doing it for the praise of man? And then he says in um, verse 2, he says, And also be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the purpose of this, is the purpose of me getting on the altar, is that I may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. As long as I am not on the altar, as long as I am refusing to do that, then I'm never going to know the perfect will of God for my life. Because that is the perfect will of God. That is His will. That is what we must do. And if we find ourselves conforming to this world, which only, it only means this, then we are serving the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Because that's all that's in the world. The world is compiled of those three things. So if we find ourselves conforming to this world, giving into, serving those things, it's only because I am not a living sacrifice. That's the only reason. So if we evaluate our lives, and this is what's part of my life, well, the solution is that I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. So I'm going to um, uh, conclude here. I'm going to give you um, a couple verses. Let's turn to Second um, Peter. Because I don't want to leave us with a um, on a negative note, but as I as I think of this, um, if I wrote these down right, yes. Well, we'll conclude with this in Second Peter chapter one verse two. He says this, and and and, and I say this to you all: grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. In verse 4, 
is the verse that I want. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Having the divine nature of Jesus Christ is possible today. Not in my own strength. He didn't say that that if you do X, Y, and Z, that you're going to have my divine nature. But he says, whereby are given unto you and me exceeding great and precious promises that by these I might be a partaker of the divine nature. Do you believe that tonight? That you and I can walk on the face of this earth partaking of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. We can be those little Christs if we'll climb on the altar. May the Lord bless you.